May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Man, doesn't that make me want to just go like, USA! I mean, you know, that gets me revved up. I love it. Uh, and I'll tell you, there is almost no sports miracle that was as amazing as when the United States hockey team beat the Soviet Union in the Winter Olympic Games of 1980. I mean, that was, that was huge. It was, it was a worldwide big deal. Now, you know, a lot of us, like, we don't play hockey. So um, I, let me put it in terms that we, under, we might really relate to. If the U.S. team was a football team, okay, they would be, it would be like, they would be like a college playoff football team. But the Soviets, like, they'd have been a Super Bowl team. I mean, so literally, it was an unbelievable miracle that they won, okay? Look, and by the way, is anybody else, like, ready for football season to start? I mean, holy cow, I am dying right now, like, literally. Um, okay, back to the point. Um, okay, but look, sports miracles are one thing, okay? But supernatural miracles that change the course of people's lives, well, that's, that's something completely different because a sports miracle defies the odds, but a supernatural miracle defies science. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in church as a kid, like, I always wondered why I didn't hear more stories about supernatural miracles happening in people's lives. I mean, I'd read the Bible, and I would, you know, read stories about, like, you know, like people's limbs growing back, or, you know, Jesus taking two loaves, and, or five loaves and two fish, and, you know, feeding over 20,000 people, and all the, each of the disciples took home a doggy bag. Or, you know, someone that was blind now received their sight. Somebody that was certifiably dead comes back to life. I mean, I'd read all these great stories, and I'd be like, well, why don't, why don't I see that happening today? Like, what's the deal? Why is that not happening now? Now, I was different from some people that I, I never really struggled with whether God could do miracles or not. Like, I always believed that. that. That was never really my struggle. My struggle was why I wasn't seeing it. I mean, was there, I mean, does God just not do miracles anymore? Um, is there something that, like, we as Christians, as Christ followers, are doing that are you know, like, somehow limiting miracles? Like, do we not pray with enough faith? Do we not know how to pray, with, pray for miracles? Like, what's the deal? Like, I, I didn't understand. And, you know, the truth is, I'll bet most of us at some point in time have wondered the same type of thing. But maybe we've never wanted to say it out loud because, you know, we, know we didn't want to appear that, like, we don't have faith or that we don't really believe in God or anything like that. But I think we wonder, like, why do, why do we not see miracles today like we see in the Bible? Well, today, we're going to look at probably the most science-defying miracle in the entire Bible. And it's probably a story that most of you have never heard before because the truth is that this miracle only occurs one time in the entire Bible. It's never repeated. And it's only three verses long. That's it. Only three verses. But it's through this story that I think God is going to give us some insight in how to pray effectively for miracles to occur. Now, there's never a guarantee, but if there's a way that we can pray differently, then we should learn that. So let me give you a little bit of background 
So that when we get to the miracle in the story, you know, it makes sense. At this point in time, Moses has recently passed away, and Joshua, um, a young, brash, brave, fearless general, now leads the people of Israel. And he's leading them into the promised land, um, which is modern-day Israel. Now, although Joshua has already started leading them into the promised land, the truth is they are at the very beginning of taking over the promised land. Now, the promised land was not uninhabited. In fact, it was inhabited by some very strong and intimidating people that lived in what we would call a city-state. See, they didn't have nations like we understand nations. At that point in time, it was pretty much every city for himself, and each of these cities usually had their own king. And from time to time, these cities would form alliances that would be for their common benefit, like to repel an invader like Joshua and his army. Well, that's exactly what happened. You see, the word had spread like wildfire that Joshua and their Israelites were beginning to take over the promised land. And what really caused that was their destruction of the city of Jericho. If you remember, Jericho was thought to be an impregnable city. It was a city that had walls that were 46 feet high. But Joshua and his army, through God's power, conquered that city, and that struck fear in the hearts of everybody throughout the land. So, sure enough, the king of Jerusalem contacts the kings of four nearby cities to form an alliance. And their battle plan was that they were going to go and fight and destroy the city of Gibeon. The city of Gibeon was nearby, but Gibeon had already made a treaty with Joshua. And so their thought was, hey, if we can destroy the city of Gibeon, then when Joshua comes and attacks us, he won't have those reinforcements And so he'll be weaker and we might have a chance. And the truth is, militarily, this is actually a pretty good strategy and a pretty good plan if it wasn't for one thing, God. And so sure enough, these five kings, they come together, they form an alliance and they form what's called the Amorite army. And so this Amorite army goes and attacks the city of Gibeon. Well, the king of Gibeon panics, sends an emergency messenger to Joshua saying, hey, we're under attack. Joshua's army marches all night long, surprises the Amorite army. God then throws the Amorite army into confusion. They break ranks and start to flee. And it's at that point that we pick up the story and we read the first miracle. So go ahead and pull out your message notes and look and see what God does. I mean, this is unbelievable. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 11, the Bible says this. It says, as they fled, remember, that's the Amorite army, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Like, can you imagine that? I mean, it was, honestly, it was probably like basketball-sized hail because it's picking off soldiers right and left. I mean, look, you know you're having a really bad day when basketball-sized hail starts raining down on you in the desert and killing your own soldiers, okay? Like, that is bad. Now, don't, 
and don't feel bad for the Amorites, okay? Because look, not only is God, you know, cleaning out the promised land so that the Israelites can take over, but the truth is the Amorites, like these were, these were idol-worshiping, pagan, very anti-God type of people, okay? So literally, God's killing two birds with, you know, one hailstone, so to speak, so. <laughs> All right, but then, then, Something happens that nobody expects. You know, as if, you know, laser-guided hailstones in the desert is not miracle enough, okay? Now we come to the big science-defying miracle. Here it is, verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. are you kidding me? I mean, Joshua, look, Joshua and his army, at some point, they realized they were going to run out of daylight before they could finish chasing down all these Amorites. So Joshua just prays, he's like, hey God, by the way, you know, like the sun moving across the sky, would you just please put that thing on pause for a few minutes so we could like finish up what we started? And then God does. I mean, that is miraculous, right? So, Let's ask this question, and go ahead and turn your message notes over on the back, because so, I'm about to give you your first filling, okay? Let's ask this question. What does this story tell me about praying for miracles? Well, here's the first thing. Don't be afraid to ask God for bold, nature-suspending acts. Don't, man, don't be afraid to ask God for bold, nature-suspending acts. Now, here's my question. How did Joshua even think to ask God to put the sun on hold? I mean, how do you, how do you even think to, to ask for that? Well, maybe it's because Joshua, with his own eyes, saw firsthand God part the Red Sea. He saw God feed the nation of Israel with manna every day for 40 years. He saw God carve the Ten Commandments out of stone on the mountain. He saw God pull down the impregnable walls of Jericho with his own, own eyes. So I'm telling you, I think for Joshua, you know, like, hey, just seeing the sun go across the sky, I don't think that was really a big deal. Hey, God, just, you know, could you just put that thing on pause? I, compared to what Joshua's already seen, I don't think that was really that big of a stretch. Which, by the way, goes to reinforce us the importance of reading the Bible. Okay? Because if you and I read the Bible, then we can read the stories about what God has done in the past, and what that does is it strengthens our faith in the present. When we read the miracle stories of God in the past, it strengthens our faith in the present. And so I'm telling you, you need to read your Bible, and you need to make sure that you're in church on a regular basis, because when you're in church regularly, that's when you begin to hear stories of what God has done in other people's lives, and that helps strengthen our faith too. And by the way, we're going to tell a pretty great story here in just a little bit. But I'm, 
but when we are around and hear those things, just like Joshua, man, I'm telling you, it increases and strengthens our own faith. Now, here's the thing about this particular miracle, okay? Now, for Joshua, you got to remember, I really think he thought it was really not that big of a deal for God to stop the sun in the sky. Because remember, Joshua lives at a time in history when everybody still thought the earth was flat. And they thought literally that every day the sun traveled across the sky. He didn't know anything about solar systems and planets and orbits and any of that kind of stuff. But we do. And so, like, we know the science behind it. We know what God would have had to do to perform this kind of miracle, right? I mean, we know that for this to happen, God would have had to stop the earth in its orbit around the sun. Or God would have had to stop the earth rotating on its axis. I mean, either way, God performed some kind of a massive cosmic miracle, right? I mean, that, that is incredible. So what, what's the lesson here for us? The lesson is, don't be afraid to ask God for bold, nature-suspending acts. Don't be afraid to ask him for that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, honestly, I wonder how many times have we thought, well, you know, I don't know. I just feel so ridiculous asking God for that. Or, you know, oh, I just feel so foolish because, I mean, this, that, I, this is so far outside the bounds of what's even possible. I feel, I feel kind of silly asking and praying for this. No. I mean, let me say this. If what you're praying for is more foolish than asking God to stop the planet from orbiting the sun, well then okay. <laughs> but if it's anything less than that, then go ahead and ask. Ask him in faith, because you never know what God's gonna do. In fact, the only surefire way to never see God do a miracle is to never pray for God to do something miraculous. So don't be afraid to ask, and look, God can say no, but the reason that most people don't ask for miracles is not because they think it's too big a deal for God, but the truth is it's too big a deal for them. It's too big a deal for them to actually believe that God can do something miraculous. Man, friends, I mean, I'm telling you, it is time. It is time to be unafraid and unintimidated to ask God to do something big, something bold, something that suspends the laws of nature. And by the way, Think about this. What if God had said no to Joshua? On that day, what if God had said no? I mean, do you think Joshua would have just thrown down his sword and like, fine, I'm out of here. I mean, you think Joshua would have done that? No. Of course not. Because Joshua's commitment to follow God wasn't based on God doing things for Joshua. It was based on who God is because God is worth following whether he says yes to a prayer or not. And it's the same is true for us. Even if God says no sometimes, it doesn't mean that God's not worth following. He's worth following because of who he is, not because of what he does for us when we ask. All right. So back, back to the point here. Don't be afraid to ask God for bold nature-suspending acts. Don't be afraid to ask God for something big. Ask God to eradicate cancer. Ask God to strengthen those heart muscles because that, that were weakened during that heart attack. Ask God to restore someone's mind that's been ravaged by a disease. 
I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, those things are huge. But God's done big things before, and he can do them again. And look, God might say no, but if he does, so what? I'm telling you, you'll never see a miracle happen until you ask God to do something miraculous. And just one more little side note. Don't, don't minimize and don't fail to pray for God to do something that's non-nature suspending either, that's miraculous. Ask God to provide you that job that you think you've got no shot at. Ask God to bring healing to your marriage. Ask God to change the heart of your son or your daughter. Ask God to get you out of debt. Ask God to bring that person into your life that you're supposed to marry. Because look, here's the thing. If God can stop a planet rotating around the sun, is there really anything that's too difficult for him to do for you in your life? So don't be afraid to pray boldly for miracles. Okay. Second big lesson we learn is this. That God is more likely to answer when I align with his purposes. God is more likely to answer when I align with his purposes. I want you to look at what God tells Joshua right after Moses dies, but before Joshua even enters the promised land. So this is before the, the miracle that we looked at today. Here's what God says to Joshua. He says in Joshua 1 verse 3, wherever you go, I'll give you that land as I promised Moses. It will reach from the southern desert to, Lebanon, to the Lebanon mountains in the north and to the northeast as far as the great, river Euphra, great Euphrates River. It will include the land of the Hittites and the land from here at the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. Joshua, I will always be with you and help you as I help Moses, and no one will ever be able to defeat you. You see, in Joshua's case, it was, Joshua already knew that it was God's plan to clear out the land and give it to the Israelites. So Joshua, when he prayed for God to stop the sun, he was merely asking God to do something that God had already said was part of his design purpose that he wanted to do. Joshua was asking God to do something that was already in God's heart to do. And so for us, when we pray for something, when we, if we will pray for the things that, are, that we already know are in the heart of God that he already wants to do, then we're much more likely to see God do something amazing. And so what are the things that God has said are already in his heart to do? He wants people everywhere to become Christ followers. That those who are already Christ followers would, go close, would grow closer to him. That the poor the widows and the orphans will be taken care of, that justice is granted, that marriages are healed, that churches grow, that moms and dads teach their kids how to read the Bible and how to follow Christ, that teenagers live a life of purity in a culture that is just consumed with sensuality, that children start off with a strong spiritual foundation so they've got something to build on in their lives, that people everywhere get serious about reading the Bible, about going to church, about supporting their church, about living a life that honors God and is not so self-centered. That those who are already Christ followers reach out to those who are not yet Christ followers. I mean, those are things that we know God wants to do. And some of those things might take some miracles. But look, whatever you're asking for, before you ask it, ask yourself, 
does this align with what God has said he already wants to do? And if it does, then pray with faith because then you're giving God room to do something amazing. So if you're already asking God to do something he already has in his heart to do, it's much more likely that God's gonna answer that prayer. And by the way, God does still do miracles today. I mean, he does. And he's done some incredible miracles just here in this church. I mean, I could tell you story after story after story about, you know, how people were, you know, healed from infertility because they have children now. I could tell you about people who were healed from, from Crohn's disease, from diverticulitis, multiple people that have healed, been healed from cancer. Some of them, like, miraculously right there on the spot. But there's one story that I want you to hear today. It's from a story, it's a story from a lady in our church. Her name is Renee Connors. Now, she actually used to be on our pastoral staff, but then her husband got transferred overseas, and so uh, she went with him. But no, she's back now, back in the States, and so I asked her if she would share her story about what God did in her life a few years ago. So, let's watch. My family and I have been members of Parkway for a long, long time. Since we were over at Cinco Ranch High School, we found Parkway online, and uh, we were one of the internet search people that came um, very quickly. So uh, we visited Parkway for the first time, <clears throat> and uh, knew right away we loved it. In 1998, I had uh, a medical procedure done where I had to go be um, put to sleep. And while I was asleep and under anesthesia, something went wrong and I had a stroke. As a result of uh, things that had happened, there was some damage to nerves in the back of my eyes. And it was causing tunnel vision. And what was actually happening was my field of vision was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It was kind of like a tunnel was happening. And it, it was going gradually, but uh, about 2004, it was really starting to affect me to the point where I had no peripheral vision. And about, um, you know, if you're looking at a clock, about 10 and two, that's what I could see. Nothing behind me, beside me, or nothing back behind that. I went in one day and asked Mike if I could talk to him and sat there and uh, proceeded to tell him what I just told you. And he was stunned and tears welled up in his eyes. And his response to me was very peculiar at the time, but in hindsight makes perfect sense. He said, Renee, I'll tell you this, when it's time to pray for you, I'm gonna pray for you. The next week or so, we were at a conference in, um, in California, Saddleback Conference, leadership conference. The conference went on, I think it was like five days long, and we were having a fantastic time, and learning so much, and we were all growing, and there was a whole group of us, and we really bonded together as a really good church group. And so I was sitting there and worshiping, my eyes closed, my hands raised, just really in the presence of God. And I feel somebody walk up beside me. And I, I turn and look, and it's Mike. And he's looking at me like, kind of blinking, and he's kind of, he says, I'm going to pray for you now. Sweet, let's do it. So I sit down, he sits down beside me, 
and he prays. And honestly, I can't tell you what he prayed. I can't tell you the words that he prayed. I don't know that the words that he said, it didn't matter. What I can tell you is that something happened. And I opened my eyes, but it's dark in the room, so I don't know. I don't know if I can see or not. I just know that I'm, I feel something happen. And Mike's looking at me and almost like, well, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But I did know the next morning when I woke up, my feet hit the floor and I couldn't wait to run outside. I literally ran outside. I didn't, I had like PJs on, I wasn't fully dressed, but I booked it out there and it was beautiful. Total clear vision. I can, I can, like even right now, I can see behind my head, which when moms say they have eyes in the back of their head, I really do. I really do. I can see behind me. That's how perfect my vision is. Here's what I know. I was blind and now I see. Do I have an explanation other than it's what God does? No. If somebody was to ask me how did that happen, my answer is because that's what God does. Does He want to do it for all of us? He does. Does He want us to ask Him to do it? He does. We just have to be willing to say, God, I need you. I need you, whether it's healing of eyesight and it's something gigantic, or it's the little things that you deal with on a daily basis. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to ask Him. Wow. Holy cow. I mean, that is, a, that is a miraculous story. And did you hear what Renee said uh, at the end? She said, I once was blind, but now I see. She's actually quoting from the Bible there. She's quoting from a story of when a man who was born blind was healed by Jesus. And people were asking this man, hey, like, what happened? Like, how is it that you can now see? And the guy basically says, everybody's like, look, I don't know, because I can't explain the sides behind it. I don't understand it. But here's the one thing that I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. You know, and I wonder if that might be you today. Maybe not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. That maybe today you say, you know what? I, I had doubts about God and about Jesus, and I wasn't really sure about that. But you know what? Now that I've heard this story, and now that I've heard Renee's story, I believe now. And I see God, and I see Jesus clearly. Because you see, Jesus has changed the lives of so many people that are listening to me today. He, he changed Renee's life long before he healed her of blindness. And he'll change your life too. But the first step is to choose to believe in him by asking him to come into your life, to forgive you, and then pledging your life to following him. If you've never done that before, you have to start there. And there's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to pray that prayer right now. Pray it right now if you've never prayed it before. Now, for those that are already Christ followers, if you've already prayed that prayer before, then would you make a commitment today to become the type of Christ follower that says, you know what, God, I am gonna ask you for, from time to time, for bold, nature-suspending acts. And, and, and God, I, I wanna be the kind of person that I, I believe that you can, and I'm gonna align my prayers with what you have said you already want to do.
Would you be that kind of a person? Because when we do, then all of us will see God do more and more and more miraculous things in our world. Let me take a moment and pray for you. So bow your heads. Father, I want to say thank you for for preserving this story in Joshua and for what you did that day. I mean, that is just unbelievable, but yet so real. It happened. And so I ask that you would help all of us as we read that story and hear Renee's story to have more faith to know that you still work and you still move and you still do the inexplicable. And so for those in this room and those listening to me that are praying and need to pray for a miracle, God, I ask that you would give them the courage and the boldness to do so and that you would move, if it would be your will, that you would move in their behalf, aligning their prayers with your purposes. And God, I want to tell you that we love you because, not because of what you do or what you will do, but because of who you are. And I ask that you would bring us back next week as we wrap up this message series. And as you do all of these things in the great name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.